It's September 20, September 17, 2014. And welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's technology. I'm Bert Lam. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. First, we'll cover a couple of local science and tech stories. Then we're going to hear about a couple of upcoming events. Joining us today is Rod Hinman from the Hawaii Tech Pauhana to tell us about their upcoming meetup. And then we have Sandy Park from the High Tech Development Corporation to tell us about Upcoming SBIR workshops and Wetware Wednesday. Finally, we've invited Georgia Skinner and Walter Dodds III to tell us about the Creative Industries Accelerator Program. We'd, of course, love your questions and thoughts as part of the conversation. You are welcome to call in or tweet us. But first, the headlines. Next year, NASA's New Horizons space probe will finally reach its primary target of Pluto. Now a dwarf planet, Pluto's orbit marks the outer edge of our solar system. Launched in January 2006, it passed Neptune in August. While the probe crosses into deep space, a Hawaii-based artist hopes it will carry a message for any intelligent life it might reach, launching a campaign to include what's being described as a global selfie of life on Earth. The artist is John Lomberg, who was the design director for the Golden Record that was launched with NASA's Voyager mission in 1977. That record included a series of sounds and images as a representation of human life. Lomberg now lives in Hawaii and designs exhibits and gives presentations at the Mauna Kea Astronomy Education Center in Hilo. Along with a number of other collaborators, he is launching the One Earth Message campaign for the New Horizon probe. He detailed the the plan in a presentation at HawaiiCon last week, saying that the One Earth message will be a crowd-sourced collection of images that he hopes will be transmitted to the probe once its survey work is complete. While NASA hasn't formally agreed to accept the message, Lomberg says the agency is reviewing the project with great interest. Meanwhile, there is an online petition calling on NASA to support the plan. It already has collected more than 10,000 signatures. Now, I uh, gave John a call uh, this morning, and, and he was telling me a little bit about this project. And it's really pretty fascinating because... You know, he did get 10,000. I think it's up to 10,800. And he has um, um, been kind of the evangelist for putting this together. Now, the fact that he was involved with a, um, uh, you know, like the Adam version, you know, the, the 1977 mm. uh, record that was kind of placed onto Voyager, uh, what they were unable to do was place something similar on the new Voyager uh, spacecraft. So, you know, his proposal is to actually transmit something and have it stored on their, you know, digital hard drive. Yeah, and I, I mean, these are stories that uh, we, we remember, you know, the gold plaque on the Pioneer mm-hmm, missions. Mm-hmm. There's only There have only been four man-made objects to leave the solar system. This will be the fifth, and that's actually kind of remarkable considering how long ago the space program started. Uh, so you can they're, they're, they're going to set it up so you can submit images. They're, they're suggesting themes like peace or love, um, and then there's going to be voting on what images do get included in that global selfie. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, Lomberg is going to work with his collaborators to curate some of that, so you're probably not going to get some random pranks into there. And of course, NASA has the final say as well. It's amazing, though, that this probe that they're to send this message to was launched in 2006, January of 2006, and it was in April, it was in uh, actually the fall of that year that Pluto was devoted. (laughs) So it's like, here goes the probe to check out the last planet in our solar system, and then while it's in space, just hurling out there, it's like, okay, not a planet anymore. You know, I asked him, how much memory is actually available for whatever, you know, whatever you guys put together? He Mm -hmm. said about about 100 meg. So not a whole lot. That's not. And they have to actually... Uh, send in all the data that they collect after passing Pluto before they can send this transmission up 
to put onto uh, you know whatever storage is left over. It does sound like a very complicated mission and expensive. They're going to be doing fundraising as well. Well, the Energy Accelerator yesterday announced its latest cohort of startups. The Accelerator program will help the 17 companies develop their products and get them to market with mentoring, networking, and financial support. According to the announcement, the 2015 cohort is made up of startups with innovative solutions applicable to Hawaii's energy, transportation, water, and agriculture industries. Half of them are run by people who have already had previous exits. There are two tracks for startups in the Energy Accelerator program. The demonstration track, which uh, for which an investment of up to $1 million is available, and the go-to-market track offering $75,000 plus connections to mentors, potential investors, and strategic uh, customers. Uh, program Director Don Lippert said in the announcement, we are excited to work with a new cohort of startups. Uh, these are really smart people that have vetted technologies and are eager to partner with our local businesses to help solve some of our most difficult energy challenges. Three of the 17 companies are based in Hawaii. They include Kunoa Cattle Company, Protoculture, and Shifted Energy. Shifted Energy, which was part of the demonstration track this year, moves to the go-to-market track in 2015. Other members of this year's cohort that are continuing on include Effortless Energy, Bright Light System, and KWH Analytics. KWH Analytics, although based in California, is led by Punahou graduate and part-time Hawaii resident Rich Matsui. Now, you know, uh, we got a chance to go see the Energy Accelerator uh, demo day, uh, Mm -hmm. which was uh, probably about four or five months ago now, but uh, really impressive uh, bunch of folks. And when they do put the word out, this is kind of a national outreach to companies that are in this sort of startup mode, but they get some pretty interesting companies that come come through. I mean, some fairly established ones, mm-hmm. and many of them, you know, from the East Coast, from the West Coast, it's not, it's certainly not a Hawaii-centric uh, uh, centric yeah. organization, but of course, they're looking for applications that work in Hawaii and in the Pacific Rim. They're saying that this latest batch basically doubles the size of the Energy Accelerator portfolio, and in terms of track record of the previous cohort, um, already having raised over $55 million in follow-up, uh, follow-on funding, and we're going to be uh, working with them to try to interview some of these startups on a future show. Yep, most definitely. Uh, finally, here's a couple of stories we wanted to share with you. Uh, last month, we featured a the planned impact hub in Kaka'ako, part of an international network of co-working spaces focused on social entrepreneurship. On Monday, the Proto Hub opened to give the community a preview of what's to come. Located at 4... 58 Keave Street. The Proto Hub is already hosting events, including a wine down. That's W I N E. Oh, that's down. my kind of wine. Oh, down. yeah. Pauhana event uh, um, tomorrow afternoon. And of course, before the end of September, space rental and the use of the facility is free. That's certainly a good price. Yeah. After the wine down, there's a yoga session. So maybe there's just a lot of relaxation to have tomorrow there. Uh, we also wanted to pass this on from Rails Bridge, Hawaii. They're having a free Ruby on Rails programming workshop for women and their friends. This will be next Saturday, September 27th from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. And they are holding that at the uh, spectacular Iolani School Sullivan Center for Innovation and Leadership. Lunch and Childcare will be provided to participants. For more information, you can look at bridgetroll.org slash events slash 115. And don't worry, don't need to write that down. We will have that link for you on our show notes at bitemarkscafe.org. And now joining us is Rod Hinman here from the Big Island to tell us about the next tech, Pauhana. Welcome to the show, Rod. Hi. Thank you, Bert. 
Yeah, you know, the last time we had you on, we had you on virtually through the the, the uh, magic of telephones. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and now we've turned on our tractor beam. We've brought you here into the studio. It's good to interact with you personally. Yes. Um, we have talked a little bit about uh, Tech Pahana. We try to share the uh, word when these events come around. But for mm-hmm. those new to it, what is this series of events? So it's a, uh, a combination lecture series and networking event. It happens monthly. Mm-hmm. I've been organizing it now for a couple of years. And the idea is to um, to build a community, of, a technology community in the uh, Kona area. And so we try to have a presenter who uh, gives some kind of presentation on science or technology or something related to entrepreneurship, usually focused um, on Hawaii Island, but not necessarily. Um, sometimes it's someone who's come from outside. We had a, a fellow from Hungary come and who was using the, uh, the facility on Mauna Kea to uh, emulate the moon. And how are you tracking some of these uh, potential speakers down? Just it's word of mouth? Or? Word of mouth, yeah, word of mouth, asking, asking people. Um, it's always a little bit of a struggle. So uh-huh. I'm always looking for somebody, if, if uh, any of the listeners have an idea for something that would be interesting, I'd certainly be happy to hear about it. Well, the one that's uh, coming up next was kind of uh, interesting to us because we've actually covered this uh, story a couple of times, but it's uh, the liquid robot. And mm-hmm. uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what the liquid robot is all about? Yeah, so this month um, we have Liquid Robotics. Um, it's a company that's based in Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. but they have a, uh, an office in uh, Kauai High on the Big Island, and that's their uh, operations and test center. And um, the technology that they have is, um, I guess it's sort of an autonomous, wave-powered surface sea vehicle. Uh, it's, a big, it's a mouthful. But it's, um, it's basically, it looks like a surfboard, at least on top. And then underneath, it has um, some vanes, which uh, are configured in such a way to allow it to, to move forward always. And it's powered by the waves. So wave comes, and it moves forward a little bit. Another wave comes, and it moves forward a little bit. It doesn't move very fast, but there's no external power source. Uh, and then they put solar panels on it and have electronics. It can communicate to it, tell it where to go, tell it to go across the ocean or just sit and go in a circle. What is the, what is the uh, primary sort of use for this uh, liquid robot? Right they now? have a, a lot of different uses. Um, basically, they put sensors on it, mm-hmm. all kinds of different, different sorts of sensors. Um, they've sent them through um, a typhoon, Typhoon Rasmussen, and they have apparently a bunch of them in the Gulf of Mexico monitoring um, hurricanes, and also, uh, at least in the past, they had them looking at the uh, the oil spill there. So it can be used for science. It can be used for security purposes, apparently. Um, we wow. probably won't hear too much about those. I would imagine. <laughs> so at this event, um, presumably there will be an opportunity to ask questions and interact. Will they have a liquid robotic uh, display model? You know, the, um, I had someone from Liquid Robotics come to one of the very first ones that I gave, and he did bring a a display model. I haven't heard for sure whether they're going to bring one. Now, uh, one one last quick question. We've talked uh, we talked with you a few times, and certainly we've talked to the folks from Hawaii Tech Exchange and uh, the uh, Hawaii Tech Works on the the east side of Oahu. How would you characterize the entrepreneurial startup scene on the Kona side? It's nascent, nascent. I would say. But growing. But growing. And we're hoping that uh, these events can help connect them to each other. There's a lot of ground to cover on the Big Island. Exactly. There there are a lot of people, a lot of little pockets of uh, entrepreneurship and people doing tech things. And the whole purpose of this event is to try to get some of them to get together. So where can someone find information on this this upcoming event and other uh, uh, tech pauhanas? So I've been listing them on TechHui's website. So Mm -hmm. that's techhui.com in the events section. Um, or you can call me or email me, 
and uh, we'll put we'll put the link put up, and then you know, I guess they can sign up for like a, a news. Uh, yes, if you give me an email address, I'll I'll send them an email once a month or twice a month. All right, Sounds good. Thanks, Rod. That's Rod Hinman from uh, uh, Tech Powhana. Now uh, joining us here in the studio is Sandy Park from the HCDC, and she's here to tell us about a couple of upcoming events as well. Welcome back to the show, Sandy. Thank you, Ryan and Bert. Aloha. Yeah, aloha. You know, you, uh, uh, you've got a couple of things coming up, and uh, I, I think uh, I think we will uh, you know, obviously love to have you talk about all of them, maybe even, well, go ahead. Start, start <laughs> off with the SBIR workshop that's coming up. Uh, yes, on September the 24th, that's uh, next week, Wednesday, we have a SBIR webinar. And, uh, and before, okay, so SBIR, yes. Small Business Small Innovation. Small Business Innovation Research. Mm-hmm. It's a grant program with every federal agency has a part of that SBIR fund. So this month's uh, agency will be talking about understanding the DOD structure mm-hmm. and how you can get go through that SBIR process to get funding through the uh, DOD agency. And this program has been around for a while, right? And and uh, are you getting a good showing of companies applying for this, or do you want more to you know to? to we show definitely up? want more, mm-hmm. especially first timers. So HTDC has set up a phase zero fund, which helps. Uh, the first-timers who have submitted for a phase one to get reimbursed for grant writing assistance. Mm -hmm. So HDC will reimburse the company up to $3,000 for any grant writing that grant writers that they have brought on board to help them through the phase one process. What would the, how would you maybe characterize a typical company that might qualify for SBIR? It depends. It depends on the technology. Like in Hawaii, a lot of our companies go to the DOD SBIR process mm-hmm. because we do a lot of uh, different types of technologies to help the DOD side. But we are currently seeing a lot of companies who have applied through NSF and NIH and getting funded for those mm-hmm. projects. Mm-hmm. So that is very encouraging. And um, in the past round, we gave out matching grants to two brand new companies. And of course, we also have the um, the experts in the SBIR world, like Oceanet, Navatech, um, Makai Ocean Engineering, and they are always winning phase ones and phase twos. But of course, what we'd like to see is them getting phase threes and commercializing. Mm-hmm. And I do believe uh, Navatech and Makai and, um, are very close to that. Great. Now, it's a webinar, so people could participate from pretty much anywhere, and they, right. they should. Um, but it does sound like that these are specifically held and very focused on Hawaii and Hawaii companies, correct? Yes. So we want to bring them to the MIC, to our ideation room, to sit down with and join us at the webinar in one I place oh, okay. so we can be a little bit more hands-on with them mm-hmm. and uh, let them know what we can provide as far as assistance and, of course, talk about the matching funds to encourage them to apply. Okay. And so uh, when is when is this happening? September the 24th at 7 a.m. in the morning. Oh, okay. wow. Well, that's right. Right. We will provide coffee and donuts. Oh, <laughs> that, that's that always insane. makes the difference. Now, um, a few weeks ago, we celebrated the third anniversary of Wetware Wednesday. Mm, yes. And so now we're in this uh, four, in, heading into our fourth year. Yes. So what's coming up for the upcoming monthly Wetware Wednesday? So on that same day, September the 24th, uh-huh. uh, we'll be celebrating Oktoberfest. So it will be at Honolulu Beer Works from 6 to 8, but come early because we expect it to be pretty busy because it's Oktoberfest and because we're at Honolulu Beer Works and they have a great uh, menu of beers. Um, but we also want to focus on our sponsor, who is Hikta. Mm-hmm. 
the uh, Hawaii is, Information yeah. Communication and Technology Association, as well as our sponsor, which is Accelerate UH. Um, oh. Excuse me, I'm sorry, backwards. Our sponsor is HICTA, and the program is includes Accelerate UH. Oh, good, because, uh, yeah, I, I'm very interested in Accelerate uh, UH because uh, they kind of uh, um, did a, uh, a program what is it? Maybe last week or late right. week before. Right, they, they had their launch last week. And they week had at they the had Council announced Center. their sort of their first cohorts, right? Right. Yes. So, so yeah, we're the... excited to have them join us and uh, tell us a little bit more about the program, so we can all learn about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Now, some wet wear Wednesdays are more energetic than others. I would say I sometimes enjoy uh, thoughtful and deep conversations with my friends, and sometimes I spend a lot of time yelling very short pieces of information to the person right next to me. If uh, if you're saying Oktoberfest and beer works, I'm wondering um, for these presentations and such, uh, what do you think the energy level might be at this particular one? Um, well, the venue is a little bit smaller, um, but we will have our PA system, so I don't think You'll be able to hear, I'm sure. Okay. Um, but we also hope that during the networking time, everybody has a good time and network and, you know, talk to Accelerate UH, talk to HICTA, and everybody get a little bit more information that way as well. And, you know, we can throw in a little chicken dance for Oktoberfest. Chicken hey. dance. I, well, I think Bert can say a thing or two about, <laughs> about um, the- funny dances. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then did you have any other um, events that you wanted to quickly mention? Uh, yes, I do. We do have our business law corps. Every Wednesday, we have free legal service from 11 to 1230 through Greg, Greg Kim's Business Law Corporation uh, volunteer attorneys. They're all professional attorneys. Half an hour slots from 11 to 1230. You just go onto our website, htdc.org slash legal. And you can make your appointments, and it's free. All right. So this is a great venue for anybody starting up. So org is the place to go for information on your events. So we want to thank both Sandy and Rod for joining us. Rod's event is Monday, September 22nd. It'll be at the Nelha Gateway Center. And, of course, you can Google that or look on our show notes for the information. And both the SBIR webinar and Wet Wear Wednesday is next Wednesday, the 24th. Again, thank you both for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. And, of course, that's what's been happening this week. We'll take a short break. And when we return, we'll be joined by Georgia Skinner and Walter Dodds III and talk about the Creative Industries Accelerator. What constitutes these creative industries, and of course, how can they fit into Hawaii's innovation ecosystem? We'd, of course, love your thoughts or questions. As part of this conversation, you can give us a call, 941-3689, or toll-free from the neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. And, of course, we're live here in the studio monitoring Twitter. You can tweet us at ByteMarks or at Hawaii. This is ByteMarks Cafe. I'm Charles Husson, Operations Director for Hawaii Public Radio. If this were the Starship Enterprise, I guess I'd be a cross between Bones and Scotty. It takes all types to run a tight ship, and that's what we've got here at HPR. We're approaching Celebration 2014, 10 days during which we get to encourage you to become a sustaining member so the station can live long and prosper. But before we move into the warp speed of Pledge Drive, please take this time to pledge early. You can beam up your donation online. Thanks. Each week, New Dimensions explores the social, political, scientific, environmental, and spiritual frontiers with some of today's foremost social innovators, thinkers, scientists, and creative artists. Hi, I'm Paul Loeb, author of The Impossible Will Take a Little While. Next time on New Dimensions, I'll be talking about perseverance and hope in troubled times. Sunday morning at 11. 
Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. And joining us today is Georgia Skinner and Walter Dodds III. Georgia is the Chief Officer of the Creative Industries Division over at the State Department of Business and Economic Development and Tourism. Walter, meanwhile, is the 2013 Creative, is a 2013 Creative Labs finalist, and of course with the production company Saturation Point. And what does the Creative Industries mean to the innovation economy? And of course, we'd love to hear your comments and questions and that number to call us is 941-3689 on Oahu or 1-877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. Georgia and Walter, we want to welcome you both to Bite Marks Cafe. Thanks. Great Thank to you. be here. It's yes. awesome. Yeah, Georgia, you're a veteran of the show <laughs> already. You're, you're like the third co-host. Wow. <laughs> hey, that's cool. Well, Georgia, you know, we've been talking about the creative industries, and we've had you on a couple of times uh, to talk about that. But, you know, this is... Uh, sort of the first accelerator, right, that's kind of coming around to focus in on this uh, segment. But give us a, a sense of what this creative uh, industry is is targeting and who are some of the example companies out there that might be interested in this? Yeah, well, I think, you know, in general, Hawaii's creative economy is very vibrant. Uh, it represents a significant part of our gross domestic product, which is an, an amazing thing. And mm-hmm. many states, in fact, I just came back from the Creative Economy Coalition Summit in D.C. It's an association of 24 states that all have creative economy focus. And Hawaii is recognized at the national level for doing two really important things. One is looking at the intersection of creative and tech as something that's a priority for the state. The other is the way we track the metrics. And I have to give Eugene Tian and um, our predecessor, his predecessor, Pearl Imada Iboshi, from our Research and Economic Analysis Division, who decided to look at the aggregate of creative industries. So it's a powerhouse part of our economy. The clusters are arts, culture, music, film, digital media, music, of course, and then literary art. And all mm-hmm. of these in today's world are the really what define innovation because you can't have an invention or an innovation or an innovative idea without a spark of a creative thought. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing at Creative Industries is focusing on uh, taking a, pic- uh, a page from the playbook of tech, but marrying that with creative. So we have the Creative Lab, which focuses on creative content for export. And those people that go through that program then can transition easily into to the Global Virtual Studios Transmedia Center on Hawaii Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also cross-feed each other, so we've developed a whole ecosystem now specifically to help our content creators in film, digital media, direct-to-web, music, fashion, and then we'll be adding a tech component. So we're looking forward to brainstorming with the tech community. What should that look like? Mm -hmm. Now, Walter, you um, did very well with the Accelerator last year and, of course, now coming to participate and help this year. Um, I'd like to know a little bit about your story and specifically how um, the Accelerator program uh, was uh, was a benefit to you. I mean, um, as an artist and, you know, I know many artists, a lot of them would have a hard time putting themselves in the uh, bin of something called industry, or mm-hmm. even think that what I do is something that generates, that supports an economy, let alone makes money to put food on the table. So how do you go from that <laughs> as as, a, as an artist to being a participant in a program like this and really seeing that bigger picture of how it can help uh, Hawaii as a whole? Uh, that's a really good question. Thank you. Um, well, uh, I, to be perfectly honest, I'm a bit of a, a layman myself. Um, I've been kind of trying to break into the industry from the outside for quite a while now. Um, 
And so uh, Chris, and, uh, Chris and McKinney and I have had a, a writing relationship, not, not an extended relationship, but maybe for the last two or three years. And we had a script that we had developed, uh, he and I, um, that uh, I had a relationship with a guy named James Gandolfini, who your viewers may or may not know. Um, but uh, we had a connection with him, and we thought, well, you know, let's write this story. Let's make it a local story. Let's make it as good as we can, and let's send it to him because he's one of those guys who can make a couple phone calls and get very important meetings with very important people. Um, so to his credit, I mean, he was very excited about the project. He, uh, he wanted to read it, and, and as soon as I told him it was set in Hawaii, uh, he had to back away, unfortunately. And I, it was a month before he passed, so he, mm-hmm. he kind of made a couple of cryptic remarks that made me think, okay, he's just not interested. But I think at the time he actually kind of knew something was wrong. Uh, uh, this is more uh, uh, his personal situation. His mm-hmm. health, I think. Uh-huh. Right, um, right. He knew something wasn't right. And he just said, he said, I've talked about it with my family at great length, and uh, I just can't spend that much time away from New York. I've got to be near my family right now. And it just, those sort of things. I don't I mean, it might have been nothing, but I sure. started collecting those dots. Mm-hmm. Uh, at any rate, we, we kind of took the, what we thought was a fairly good script, and we kind of just put it in the drawer because, like you said, I mean, this is a really, really difficult industry to break into. You've got to know the right people. And when he passed, that was kind of like our one, our one big chip mm. uh, taken off the table. So uh, very, very luckily, uh, a friend of mine who was involved with HIF sent me uh, the email flyer for, you know, call for entries for the Writers Accelerator program. And she said, look, this looks really awesome. Why don't you try? And I thought, well, you know, we've got this script we're just sitting on that's doing nothing but collecting dust. Why don't we, why don't we dust it off? Maybe, you know, do a little bit of rewriting and send it in, which we did. And... I, I, I saw this is like a really long-winded uh, explanation. I oh, guess huh. the thing is, the beauty is, is once we were accepted, um, Georgia and Michael, who who was uh, one of the mentors on the program, uh, it was just like becoming part of a family. It was like instantly you're like you're in. They treat you like family. They're just trying their best to try and take care of you and get you, you know, open the right doors, help you improve as a writer. So we went through a, a one-week program. At the accelerator last year, uh, I believe it was in October last year, in you know, in, in coincidence with the HIF festival, and uh, we, I mean, this guy Mike. I mean, I've I've been to some very very decent schools in my lifetime, and I will say this guy Michael is one of the best professors I've ever had, mm. and bar none. Um, and he should, he just knows his craft really really well. So we learned a lot. I felt like you know, I've been to film school and everything, and I felt like I learned more in one week about screenwriting than I did basically in two years at school. Um, this guy was a champ. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we had the, you know, we were able to get the benefit of his uh, information. Uh, the the Writers Accelerator also, which is a tremendous asset, they fly in like official Writers Guild um, members to kind of be coaches. And so they basically take the 12 finalists, they break you into three groups of four, and then each uh, writing coach comes in and basically coaches four, four screenwriters. Mm-hmm. Um and so, you know, not only did we have the benefit of this awesome, experienced writer come in and give us his ideas of what could improve the story, at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the program, we had the added bonus of the guy really liked our script. And he said, I really dig this. I'd like to take this back with me to Hollywood and try to get this made into a television series. And, hmm. um, you know, as two novice – I mean, my, my writing partner, Chris McKinney, I have to say, is nowhere near <laughs> a novice. This guy's like one of the most accomplished writers locally mm. and, and a, a national-level writer. Um, my being an unaccomplished writer was kind of like a dream come true. It's like, wow, you know, like six months ago, this thing was collecting dust. And now somebody's taking it to Hollywood to this fancy agent. And the agent's going to be taking it all over to like they've named the networks and the studios they are going to take it to. It's kind of exciting stuff. Mm-hmm. Very much. Have you, have you uh, um, gotten any, I guess, uh, 
interests on the part of the studios and, and sort of where at what phase is it currently? It's another great question. Um, so what we did was uh, we had actually the, the first six episodes of this, uh, of this television series written. Uh, we just got really into it. And you're really not supposed to write because until they're paying you to write, you're kind of wait, theoretically you're wasting time. But mm-hmm. we, we just were so invested in the project. Um, that we had six episodes and we gave them all six, which might or might not have been a good idea. It was a huge plus, I can tell you that. Yeah, it was, it was a gamble. <laughs> yeah. So they read it and they liked it, but they read it and they said, okay, this is what we want you to change. So uh-huh. then it became a question of us having to, and it was, it was pretty minor changes, to be honest. They were very respectful of the material. But it took us a little while to kind of get the ball rolling, get all the scripts tied up. And you know, once we had kind of implemented all of their suggestions, they said, okay, uh, timing is perfect because at the end of Labor Day is when all the scripts for new series go out. So um, we haven't spoken with the agent per se, but our understanding is, is those scripts went out about two weeks ago. And we should in the next two to four weeks start hearing back from the students. Oh, wow. That's I exciting. Yeah, Which is amazing. Posted. And I think that's the whole point is the connectivity and access. What we want to mm-hmm. do is open doors, break down barriers, and connect people that are invested in their careers with the people who can make a difference and elevate their game buy their product, pay for their intellectual property creation. So, and I think uh, another you know, amazing thing, which of course maybe Walter won't say, but they are incredibly dedicated. And as you know, either you're a performer or you're someone that's invested in your creative craft, if you don't work at it all the time, and they do. I mean, they are fast, they are efficient, they would kick ass in any writer's room. You know, they really would. So mm-hmm. I really, um, I think even the one week that you know, we took three finalists, um, Writers Guild of America and Michael uh, select then out of the 12, a finalist um, from each group. So three people then go up to L.A. at the end of January. Uh, and so um, this team also went up as part of that. And now they're represented by Gersh Agency, which is a very, very big agency that the project is. So, yeah, we're very, very proud of them. Excellent. We're talking to Georgia Skinner, who is uh, the head of the Creative Industries Division at the State Department of Business, Economic Development and Tourism. And uh, Walter Dodds III, a now accomplished screenwriter and uh, with the production company Saturation Point. And we're learning about the creative industries here in Hawaii and, of course, accelerator programs to help other artists uh, follow their dreams. If you've got a question, you can give us a call at 941-3689 or reach us toll-free from the neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Now, Georgia, uh, I love artists, but they're often lone wolves. And when Walter said that he felt uh, like he found a family uh, that he didn't know was there, I can imagine that even if you're a screenwriter and you're living in Hawaii, and you might say in Hawaii of all places, and you're working on a script, you're thinking, I'm all by myself. Or <laughs> I would, let me put it this way. So when you think of people working collectively, I think of maybe Showdown in Chinatown, make a film in a night, and maybe that's kind of a collaborative, energetic experiment. Mm-hmm. But how do you, with this uh, sounds like a powerful program, find these pockets of artists and find, make them realize that they could benefit from this, that they are part of the people that you're trying to help with this program? Exactly. Well, thank you for asking that. It's a great question because I think the magic is knowing that there is a group of people, mentors that are connected in the industry, didn't use to work in it, work in it now. And they're investing their time. And the more that we get this out via social media or other networks, I mean, the the um, response that we got this year for the creative writers, uh, for the creative lab for writers uh, was phenomenal. And the bar has risen very high. So basically, we're doing two things. One is creative lab is a vehicle to bring people together. The other is working on projects like um, the Hawaii Creative Collaboration Center, which is a vision to have a collaboration space dedicated to creative 
alternative media and artists of all kinds. So uh, we're working on that uh, in partnership with HTDC, and it's something that I think will help feed the pipeline. Um, Artists work in isolation for a reason because sometimes that's the way that they get their creative spark. But at some point, you have to take that step out the door, and we want to make sure that we're creating a room and a space that not only is just one week, but it's an entire year of coaching by Michael and other people that are mentors in this entire Creative Lab ecosystem, if you will, that really care about advancing the opportunities for Hawaii's creative content makers. Now, you said that you had just recently come back from a, a conference, and at mm. that conference, uh, you told me you know, before the show that Hawaii was actually recognized as being one of the top states for this creative industry. Uh, what I'm curious about is, you know, in all the sectors that are part of this creative industries. Do you know kind of where Hawaii sort of excels in? Well, actually, that's a very good question, too. Yes, we publish. A, she has like a, a scripted thing. Did you write this, Walter? Yeah, okay. She gave us all the questions prior <laughs> to working the, in Hollywood. Yeah. If I could write questions like you. <laughs> well, I will say that um, we have been tracking the metrics of the creative industries by not only the size of the clusters, but what the average uh, annual wage is from in those in those clusters. So that's you know performing arts, visual arts. There's all these NACE codes that mm-hmm. um, you know geeks who do um, you know metrics and tracking use. And so on a national level, we are the only state that combines a report that includes profit and not-for-profit by the cluster, whether they're declining base growth or emerging uh, four different categories and then declining, of course. That's the one I always forget because I don't like it. Right. <laughs> but, but it's very accurate because it looks at the numbers going down for publishing, broadcasting, sorry, uh, and other areas. That's why you see this transformation in media of moving into, you know, uh, more news on the web, more things that are direct, you know, making even radio shows more rich content than just simply the voice only. Mm-hmm. So I think that the the report itself and the metrics that it shows uh, are recognized. And the head of this National Creativity Network, uh, Dennis Cheek, who's a PhD, said, I constantly use the Hawaii report because it shows what everybody else should be looking toward. Mm. And we do track those certain sectors that are outperforming the U.S. So that's another component of our report that isn't um, you know, really done in other other states. And uh, I can tell you that the cultural industries as a cluster by themselves and emerging uh, digital media are two of the high growth areas. So that's what that help, helps us to project what we need to focus on and also also helps us to ask the legislature to invest in us for certain mm-hmm. uh, areas. And we're really proud that uh, this session, Creative Lab, got funded with 100000 And we just got word that we did receive a U.S. EDA matching grant. So we'll be able to now expand the program over the next two years. Excellent. Now, mm-hmm. um, Walter, you mentioned that uh, the, the screenplay you wrote was based in Hawaii. And it makes me wonder, uh, to what extent is the culture and character that is distinct to Hawaii part of this program? I mean, you mean you could be a screenwriter and come up with friends, too, or, you know, something general and conventional or something that you could find in any other city. Um, But it sounds like your intent certainly was to write something with the flavor and the personality and the spirit of Hawaii. Uh, Is that the scope or is that the intent of the program that you felt? Or is it pretty much open that if you wanted to do a grunge rock band um, that's that sounds like it could be from Seattle, that that's, that was also welcome as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Chris and I chose to write about Hawaii because that's what we know best and we thought that would give us our best shot. Um, 
having said that, we were an, under no obligation once we were in the program. I and mean, we had the option if we wanted to, we could have just scrapped it entirely and, and tried to work something different. But we, you know, we liked what we had. We continued working it. Um, there were 12 people, 12 different writers in the room. And I would say maybe half were about Hawaii-based stories and the other half weren't. And there was some. There was a guy from Korea. There were people from mm. South mm. Africa. Um, we had people from around the world. There were stories from around the world, and that that was actually one of the most uh, intriguing aspects of the program was is that you got to talk to these people. You got to hear their perspective. Like it was interesting to hear what a Korean person thought about a Hawaiian story, um, to hear what a South African person thought about a Hawaiian story. Um, it, it was really valuable feedback because you know we kind of used to telling these stories to ourselves and to our friends who are all grown up here, so they obviously are going to get the humor. They're obviously going to get the little double entendres. But folks that, you know, have no clue about pigeon, that to me was a real litmus test of whether we had, you know, a story with legs or not. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was great. Now, Walter, I'm, I'm kind of curious, you know, when uh, you have uh, you and Chris kind of partnering up to come up with a script. Tell us a little bit about the dynamic that goes on between the two of you to <laughs> come up with a story. Because, you know, usually we're, write, you know, we're writing solo and just sort of coming up with ideas on our own. But what is it like to, you know, be with a partner and try to come up with these ideas? I'm, I'm, you know what? I, I've said this a couple of times. That's awesome, awesome question. And one that I'm really happy to answer, actually, because uh, like I, I got to say, let me just put this out there right now. I'm absolutely, absolutely thrilled to be working with the guy I'm working with. Mm-hmm. He is just, uh, I mean, I've admired his work for a, a number of years. He is the guy in Hawaii when it comes to writing about the, the darker side, the underbelly of society here. Um, but having gotten to know him as a person, it's like this guy is just an amazing human being too. So it's like every day it's fun to go to work. Um, and so, you know, he had never had a writing partner and neither had I. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we kind of just developed our own little shorthand. Um, so what we do now is we meet together and we'll, we'll brainstorm stuff. Um, we, we, we just actually, in fact, just started writing a brand new television series um, that we are patterning after um, the first drug cartel. Uh, in, in America's history, which actually isn't the mafia. It's actually a bunch of hippies were America's first drug cartel. So we thought, wow, that's a pretty interesting story. So he and I get together. We powwow. We think, okay, what do we want the story to be about? What do we want this episode to be about? We kind of agree on the characters. We agree on the themes. Uh, once we sort of have you know the, 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 the bones in place, then we'll say, okay, look, how do we want to start this off? And so we'll brainstorm maybe the first three or four scenes and then it's kind of like a choice. And then he's such a nice guy. He always gives me the choice. Do you want to write the synopsis or do you want to write the scenes? <laughs> and, you know, being the inexperienced uh, partner in the relationship, I'm always like, well, I'll write the synopsis. Why don't you write the scenes because you're so much better than I am? And so um, we've started trading off back and forth. Now I've gotten a little bit more confident, although he's always going to be a better <laughs> writer than me. Um, but we, you know, we, w- one of us will write it. And the other person will continue to brainstorm where it could be going after, uh, after the script is written. And, it, and as Georgia had said, we kind of write really fast. Like we're able to write a couple of scenes in like a day. So I'll shoot him the script with the scenes. If he likes it, he'll, he'll say, okay, I like it. These are the revisions I like. Uh, if he doesn't, uh, which has happened actually, this is our third draft of this hippie script. We've gone through three or four different complete iterations, completely different styles, mm-hmm. completely different characters. Uh, we finally, I think we finally have one that we like and that is working now. And so I just sent him back the stuff. He's going to be working it tonight in the next couple of days, uh, at which point we'll reconvene and we'll start discussing the next scenes. And it's, it's a really cool relationship. That's great. Yeah, yeah. So we'll get, you know, we'll actually we'll get into more of this, the process, because I love this sort of talk about the creative process. Hold that thought. 
We'll be right back after this uh, uh, for a short break to continue our conversation with Georgia Skinner and Walter Dodds III about kickstarting the creative startup. How has this accelerator program been previously applied to the creative sector? And of course, what is the broadband piece? We'd still love to hear from you at 941-3689 or from the neighbor islands 877-941-3689. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Let HPR take you places you've never been with our on-air programming and on Hawaiian Airlines. Yes, for every dollar you pledge now, $120 or more, you'll receive a thank you gift of 10 Hawaiian miles. Your early contribution to Celebration 2014 helps us all get back to regularly scheduled programming sooner. So please pledge today. Get Hawaiian miles and our thanks. Please go to support at hawaiipublicradio.org. And thanks. The investigative stage of the inquiry into the Hawaii State Hospital is now over. As the committee moves to its draft report, we'll get an overview of what has emerged through testimony and the next feasible steps to mitigate the dysfunction. Senate Health Committee Chair Josh Green joins us in the morning. We'll talk at 8 on The Conversation. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa, and we're talking to Georgia Skinner and Walter Dodds III about helping to accelerate creative startups. And, of course, uh, if you have a comment or question, feel free to give us a call here. The number is 941-3689 on Oahu or 877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. And, of course, right before the break, we were talking to Walter about the uh, sort of the writing creative process and working with uh, Chris and, and how they come up with uh, sort of their ideas and, and how they go back and forth. You know, all this great series that you're talking about, I mean, where can we see some of the, you know, the series or the end products of what you've created? Is it online? Is it something that we can go and check out? Okay, good question. Good qu- And, and uh, an embarrassing one for me to answer. Um, as far as Chris goes, you can find his he's, – he's published six novels now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just came out with a new one, uh, Red-Headed Hawaiian, which is doing really, really well. It's a very – his first nonfiction work, by the way. Uh, he's a fictional writer, but he – this was his, kind of his give-back book. It's a very inspiring story. Uh, I think a lot of uh, school kids are going to benefit a lot from reading that book. Um, so you can walk into any store and find his stuff. Uh, unfortunately, mine is a little bit harder to find. <laughs> Um, I used to do the commercials at HMSA, so you may have seen my commercials okay, on TV. Yeah. Um, I have a screen uh, – sorry. I have a short film that is going to be screening at this year's Hawaii International Film Festival. So if you get a chance, it's called Kahea. You can come check that out this year. Um, I'm actually leaving in a couple of weeks. I'm going to England. It's screening there. We're, we're starting to get a little traction and – it's getting into festivals around the world mm-hmm, right now. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll certainly be watching for that. Now, Georgia, um, I, I love this conversation about process as well, and specifically the environment that the accelerator creates, creates. for people. You know, one of my favorite quotes, uh, Dan Pointer says, "If you, you know, if you're waiting for inspiration to write, you're not a writer. You're a waiter." both in terms of waiting, and that's probably the job you have when you say you're a writer, Mm -hmm. because it's about making that step, putting it out there. Um, But when he mentioned, uh, when Walter mentioned that they could have just scrapped what they submitted and come into the program and done something completely new, that made me wonder, uh, probably both, but where would you see the pieces of the program? Is it helping someone tell a story they have or helping someone learn how to tell 
any story. So Creative Lab will address both. But currently, it's focused on people that have uh, completed scripts. They also have to, in order, the bar is set very high for the application. So it's a completed screenplay, whether it's for television, a micro-budget feature, so a small-budget feature, uh, or um, a direct-to-web series. And the commitment to understand that you are now a 360-degree entrepreneur in the creative space is no longer possible to just write a script and then, you know, I mean, you can get an agent and then, you know, wait five years to see if something happens. So what we're focused on is developing creative entrepreneurs in this content area so they have to be able to tell that story. Here's my business plan. Here's why I think it's hot for this market. And if they get through that bar and they get into the room and after all the discussions, they decide that well, we have this other script that we want to shift, then that would be it. I see. Um, if people have an idea or another good example is we have a lot of really brilliant authors in this state. I mean, certainly Chris is one of them, but we have brilliant fiction and nonfiction work. If these artists want to take and migrate that work either to a web series or create uh, a fully scripted um, film or television series, then we're going to develop something called the ideation, Creative Lab Ideation Workshop. And that will explain to you the steps that you need to take to migrate that to a fully uh, realized script. Mm -hmm. And in that space, we hope to partner them with people that are already successful. So that's a way that Chris and Walter can give back in a way that helps uh, the local community amp up their game. Now, one of the things that uh, – well, actually, there's two parts. There's a writer's accelerator and there's a broadband accelerator. We haven't really talked about the broadband, but, we, of course, we're always looking at you know how things are, are uh, let's say, created for YouTube or how mm-hmm. content is, is taking up more broadband. But this broadband accelerator focuses really on creative content – that is purpose for the web. Correct. And this is kind of something new, right? It is. It's really an important growth area, and I think it's a a really hot flashpoint for content creators in the state. Whether you're a musical artist and you already have uh, a great presence and and maybe you're making a good living as a musical artist, but you want to have your own show, similar to what's happened with, you know, young women who want to tell people how to put on makeup or now getting, you know, six-figure deals and making tons of money on YouTube, Mm -hmm. you can create a nonfiction series, meaning it's something reality-based, music, you know, any kind of how-to, a news show, uh, or something that's scripted like you would see on Netflix. Uh, Mm -hmm. So uh, the broadband lab itself looks for, again, scripted content or at least a fully realized treatment and a business idea of how this would fit in the marketplace, what the customer base would be, and possible ways to to market the product and realize, you know, the... uh, Capitalization of that product. So, oh, I have a, I have then a very specific and perhaps odd niche question. <laughs> but when you talk about content made just for the web, of course, we have uh, some big YouTube stars that come out of Hawaii, and uh, more and more content going out there. Of course, the 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 trend in recent years is the appeal of video gameplay videos. Yes, and I put stuff on YouTube. My sons, uh, thirteen and eleven or ten, are putting up Minecraft videos. They're getting more views than my videos. I'm going out there. I'm editing. I'm talking about the community. They're just they are posting recordings of them playing Minecraft and yelling at each other, getting into fights. It's totally unscripted, but they they have an audience. So is that something you're seeing? See, and that's definitely something we're seeing. And I think it's a step in a direction where you have that raw talent. So like your kids uh, would be perfect examples of kids that might go into maybe the new media camp, which is another component 
of Creative Lab uh, and, and managed and run by Philip Chung, who uh, is part of the Yom Yom F network, UFN Me, UFN My Family, so uh, which has now you know grown worldwide. I mean, Video Game High School really reaching its mm-hmm. you know peak uh, now. A, a deal with Lionsgate. And other deals to be announced with Justin Lin. So, so these people are also are part of the Creative Lab ecosphere, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I think you see, um, we want to move the idea beyond just uh, po- posting something that's really cool and fun to something that's monetizable. So that engages then a business plan. What's the trajectory for this business? How am I going to develop and keep that audience? How am I going to keep it fresh? And, you know, PewDiePie is a great example of, you know, doing that. So are there er other niche areas like, you know, totally a geek take on cultural arts? I mean, who knows? You know, there's all kinds of things that could come out of Hawaii. We want to put that out there and create a space for that to happen. Now, I'm curious, Walter, when when you're doing your script, how does your script writing and sort of series development differ from what might be proposed for a broadband accelerator? Wouldn't yours potentially qualify for that? Or is it too much of a uh, more directed toward a television series kind of format as opposed to a a web-based series? You know, that's actually a very good question. I'm going to actually defer that one to, to Georgia because I think she probably understands oh, look at that. the distinctions wow. better than Punt. I do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Dude, yeah. nice. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I think what we look at is the content of the story. So we, in a sense, are agnostic about, and again, the state doesn't review any of these. These are all blind submissions that go to a third party. So the state doesn't get involved in selecting people or anything like that. But um, what I can tell you is that with the Writers Guild of America and other partners like Producers Guild and people that have, um, you know, the like the Yom Yom F Network and, and their structure is a little bit different for the new media camp. But basically, the content is what drives it. So you might get into the Writers Lab and suddenly realize that, wow, you know, I think that there's a play in the discussion. There's a play on this for actually a direct-to-web. It's a little more edgy. I think this might be a better play there than mm-hmm. traditional television. Mm-hmm. And conversely, if you're in the, uh, maybe you're a personality and you're in the uh, uh, broadband lab, there's a way to migrate that idea as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's really looking at where is the best place to tell the story? What's the highest potential for investment in that content and the longevity of keeping that um, content alive? So, so, I mean, uh, one, one thing that's definitely becoming clear is that it is it is a creative pursuit. You're an artist. You're doing what you love. But for this program and for the benefit of the economy and for the community, it is a matter of what is in, what can draw investment, what can be monetizable. So on one hand, that might be uh, challenging for some people. But what I also, again, going back to like Amazon bought Twitch, which is an entire video network just to watch other people play video games. Yes. I don't get it, but it's a big thing and it's making money. <laughs> money, right? So just what you're saying is you might think your content is a little weird. It's it's playing Minecraft. It's uh, Andy Bumatai driving around in a car interviewing people. But if it's monetizable, if it can have ads right. run against it or find sponsors, that's exactly the kind of program you want to develop. Exactly right. And so that's why we're strategic in the people that we bring in to mentor 
in these areas, especially on the broadband side. So having Bernie Sue, for example, come back, who created the Lizzie Diaries and this year just launched the uh, Mrs. Frankenstein series with PBS Digital, has suddenly become someone who was just working in, in that content space with people talking directly into camera like you were filming it yourself in your bathroom or your living room or whatever, and migrating that whole idea into a very professional business. And the fact that he won an Emmy, he's the first you know uh, content creator f- direct to the web that won in that mm-hmm. category, right. an Emmy Award last year, and that he's really invested in Creative Lab and coming back to help us nurture the talent here. Uh, uh, and another one of his web series also has a, a Hawaiian um, uh, character. So there's a lot of potential both on another business level for him coming here and working with us and then also giving back, of course, to the people that are in the program. Now, you know, you mentioned uh, uh, digital media. And, of course, uh, I think, you know, Ryan's kids are probably a feeder into the program <laughs> yeah, that you're yeah. talking about. But, but and, and then there's, you know, we've talked to uh, PBS Hawaii and, and uh, Hiki No, and, and that's a whole another area of, of getting kids involved with uh, sort of the news media side of things. But they're getting involved with, you know, digital media. Mm-hmm. Are those types of uh, programs? sort of good feeders or, or are there, could, could there be others that could be feeding into this potential broadband uh, accelerator startup environment? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, I think even the middle school programs are really important. You know, HIF has a terrific educational outreach program, and we're really proud to be partnered with them on Creative Lab because their core mission, in addition to exhibiting films, was to give back, and they do that with the middle schools and high schools now. So what we're doing is creating this wonderful eco- ecosystem and a trajectory for kids to get excited with whether they're hikino newscasters or they want to tell a narrative story, uh, you know, getting through the high school uh, experience, being able to either connect into a, a, a CC, one of the UHCC programs or HPU or Chaminade, any of those are great. But Creative Lab offers an opportunity for them to, and, and now that we do have the EDA funding, we will be able to expand a little bit into that outreach mm-hmm. into the high school level. So, yes, it's definitely a feeder program for that. Now, Walter, it, it's it's safe to say that, uh, you know, you are well along, along your path. You went to film school. This was something from early age that you wanted to do, and you're finding this opportunity to do it. And when Bert mentioned sort of the ecosystem and the feeder system and what's the path, uh, you know, Georgia said that the bar for the writer's uh, accelerator was very high that, you know, you might be working on a pocket uh, paperback boiler or whatever and it might be having a lot of fun, but, you know, it might be something more serious than that. So for somebody who is earlier in the path than you and is perhaps like me, too old to go play with Hiki No video cameras at <laughs> high school, uh, what is that path for the independent artist that says, you know what, I, I, I want to make this serious and I do want to make this uh, my career? Oh, that's was a it a really it, good question? <laughs> is it Pacific New Media? Is it uh, mm. going to LA and just trying to hack it? I mean, where, or, or you, the, you know, the community colleges have their sort of uh, creative arts, uh, creative media mm-hmm. types they of do. programs. I mean, where do you, yeah, where do you get started? Uh, man, that's that's a that's a good and a tough question. Um, there are so many different options available these days. I would say mostly it's dependent upon how financially secure you are. Um, mm-hmm. Older guys like us. You know, we have responsibilities. Uh, if you have a way to support yourself, there's a ton of great uh, programs uh, locally. I've been to a couple of great seminars in L.A. I mean, you don't have to go for two years. You can go for a week, two weeks. Um, I benefited tremendously from a couple of, um, if I'm not mistaken, the guy who created, David Chase, who created The Sopranos, took a class from the same lady that I took a directing class from. And he 
he talks about it in The Sopranos. Like they make reference to that guy, uh, mm-hmm. the acting coach. Um, and it's something that you can do for like 200 bucks. So, I mean, there's a lot of different options available. I would recommend people, you go online, um, just Google stuff, like, you know, writing seminars and just start ri- reading the reviews. I think that's that's the best way to get a, a handle on it. You'll know mm-hmm. real quickly mm-hmm. from the reviews people have given. And um, like, I, I can personally recommend Judith Weston. That was the name of the lady that I, I studied under for just a week. And, and like I said, I went to film school. Studied with some fairly intelligent folks, but uh, these guys can't hold a candle to what she taught me. Um, yeah. That's good value for money, uh, but you got to get to LA. That's the only downside. Mm-hmm. That's the hard part. And I think part of using technology now to be able to bring the LA experience into an online space for us, for our community, is something that we are looking at at Creative Industries at DBED. So um, there are a lot of programs now, whether it's Pacific New Media, as you mentioned. Um, you know, we do have some great writing coaches at uh, the UHACM program, a lot going on uh, on the, um, you know, the other side of things at UH West Oahu with the creative media program there. So I would say one of the the future programs for creative industries would be to be able to take Writers Guild of America seminars that they, you know, that people in LA can go to and be able to broadcast those here through the web, through our strategic partnership with them. Same thing we'll eventually get to with Directors Guild and the rest of it. So I do think there's a lot to take advantage of, and it's a good thing for us to look at, Walter, to say, you know, maybe we should at Creative Industries start aggregating this information on our website at the very least to help. Mm -hmm. So, so you mentioned that if somebody uh, listening is interested, they're that writer, they have a screenplay in their bedside table, how can they learn more about this program and be ready to participate? Okay, well, we are going to run the program now two times a year, thanks to the legislature's funding and the administration support, as well as our EDA funds. So mm-hmm. uh, they can email us at uh, Creative Industries. So go to CID dot hawaii.gov and look at the creative lab page there uh, for the fall program the um, uh, the gate is closed but we will be announcing in probably january uh the spring program so you'll be able to apply then no that's great Fantastic. so so the um in uh, real quickly i guess we'll put it up on our show notes but uh in November, uh, is there going to be a chance for the public to kind of get uh, yes. what's going to be coming out of that experience? Yes. So we'll have um, a, a broadband keynote with Bernie Sue, and that's happening on November 4th, uh, and that's from 7 to 8 p.m. It's called a master class, and what it's going to be is Bernie taking you through this whole process, basically a lot of the questions you guys asked, mm-hmm. but how did he do it? How did he connect? And he's bringing his multi-channel network team and uh, PBS Digital to be part of that discussion. All right. And so then, we'll put the details yep. for that. Sounds um, good. Georgia sure. Skinner is the chief officer of the Creative Industries Division over at DBED. And of course, Walter Dodds III manages Saturation Point and produces narratives and documentaries and commercials. Thank you both for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Aloha. And thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week for a very special episode of Bite Marks Cafe where we go on location to Windward Community College. And if you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, email us at feedback at bitemarks.org. Of course, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. And you can follow me at Hawaii. Our engineer is David Chong and our executive producer is Beth Ann Kozlovich. And we leave you with our song pick of the week. Here's a band called Beat Connection and a song called Silver Screen. See you next week on another special (laughs) edition of Bite Marks Cafe. And I'm on the show standing But it's hard in the sand So she holds my hand